I ran across, whoa, there we go, dial me back just a little bit. I'm going to just greet you all this morning and let them work that out before we get started. How are y'all doing this morning? There we go. Are you in the shower too? I kind of feel like I'm singing in the shower right now. How are we doing? Am I getting more normal sounding? As normal sounding as I, not yet? All right. Uh, Jonathan, I'll trust you to work out my bugs and we'll, we'll just keep you after. I ran across a really cool and interesting story um, this week in reading the message. It comes out of a book called Radical Gratitude by Ellen Vaughn. And uh, she tells the story of a, of a guy named Jerry. And Jerry uh, was a volunteer with a prison fellowship in uh, Russia. And there he and a group of friends visited a number of prisons and they finished up their work a few days early on this trip and they asked their hosts if they could visit some children in, in, a, in an area hospital. And so they were taken to a 750-bed hospital in Moscow um, at the end of what was called the Leninsky Prospect. And most of the beds were empty in this hospital. This is where children with cancer and blood diseases came to die. Said so there was a cafeteria, but no food, no trained nurses, no laundry, no disinfectants, few medicines, no lab work. The children's families brought in and prepared food for them in the emptied hospital kitchen. Um, this was the national clinic for children, where patients came from all over the Russian Federation at this time. A staff person brought a young girl in an old wheelchair to Jerry. She was about 14 years old with thin brown hair and dark circles under her eyes. And the woman told Jerry, she has about four months to live. We have no medicines to help her. Jerry said, what's her name? As he bent down wheelchair level and looked at the girl. Eugenia, the woman said. Jerry rocked on his heels. Eugenia was his daughter's name. So he thought, what if my Eugenia was dying and needed medicine? What would I do? What would this Russian Eugenia's dad do for his daughter if he could? The staff people told Jerry that the drug protocol for Eugenia would run about $18,000 U.S. And Jerry is not a man of wealth, but he turned to a buddy with him who was a cattle rancher, and he said, Ed, if we can't find someone to donate the money to help this little girl... I'll sell my car if you'll sell your truck. Ed said, Jerry, you drive me crazy when you try to swing these deals, but that's why I come on these trips with you. He said, okay. But selling a car and a truck would only take them so far. There were lots of kids who needed help. So Jerry returned to the U.S. and got on the phone. And within two weeks, a prominent children's clinic had given him tens of thousands of dollars worth of drugs packed in cooler boxes with dry ice. And Jerry was back on a plane to Moscow. Okay. This is the interesting part. Watch what happens next. It says, when Jerry and the others got back to Moscow with that first plane load of medicine, they would return many times and, and transform this clinic and save many lives, including Eugenia's. But on that first plane load of medicine, when he and his buddies walked into the hospital in the night, Eugenia's mother saw them coming. She ran down the dim corridor, her face incredulous, and she burst into tears. And this is what she said, you are Jesus. Are you not? 
you are Jesus, are you not? Now, why would she say that? Why would she connect Jerry with Jesus? The answer is pretty obvious. She believed that Jesus was wildly, life-savingly generous. That's what she believed about Jesus. And the last couple of weeks, we've seen that she was absolutely right to think that about Jesus. Jesus is unbelievably generous. We saw that last week. The Father is unbelievably generous. And as we're going to see today, the whole blessed Trinity is unbelievably generous. Um, you know, here at North Wake, we believe in a God who is a Trinity. In fact, if you were to read our church doctrinal statement, which is a healthy exercise from time to time, you would read this little statement. It says, we believe that the Godhead exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that these three are one God and are worthy of precisely the same confidence, obedience, and worship. And we have been, in the last couple of weeks, looking at the generosity of each of those three persons of the Trinity. And we've seen that God the Father... He's like a generous king who forgives his servants a $10 billion debt. And we saw that he does this through the sending of his son. And that he expects them then in turn to forgive their debtors as well. We've seen that God the Son generously lays down his very life on the cross for those he loves. And that he too expects us then in turn to lay down our lives for one another, to lay down our lives for the church in love. And today we want to think together about the generosity of the Spirit, that third member of the Trinity. For since he too is of the same divine substance as the Father and the Son, and he's equal in power and glory, It's no surprise then that he too is remarkably generous towards his people, towards us. And that in turn, he expects us to be generous towards one another. So this morning, if you'll open your Bibles, we'll be in a couple different passages, but if you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is writing there about spiritual gifts. Um, I'd like to pray for us as you find your way there, so bow with me in prayer if you would. Father, may your spirit now be our guide. As we, as we catch a glance of him in his generosity, I pray that he'd be at work in us. Help us to welcome that. We do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's writing about spiritual gifts. Verse 4, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So the Spirit and the Lord, that's likely a reference to the Son, and God, a reference likely to the Father, okay, 
are all involved in giving and using gifts and acts of service and diverse activities amongst God's people in the church. The whole trinity is active here in what Paul's writing about in 1 Corinthians 12. Working as one, distributing a diversity of gifts amongst God's, amongst God's people. But the focus shifts specifically onto the Holy Spirit in the next few verses. Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So, again, Paul is zeroing in now on the, the work of the Spirit in this kind of gift-giving extravaganza that's going on, right? Um, and it's interesting, um, back in verse 7, how he says it. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, now, you remember, if you just turned your Bible back a, a handful of pages, Paul has taught that the Spirit of the living God actually indwells his people. In chapter 6, Paul says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, you're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And so the very Spirit of God, that third person of the Trinity, which is the Godhead that we worship, is so desirous to know us intimately and to enable us to serve and worship Him that He takes residence within us, within our bodies, Paul says. This is an expression of the greatest intimacy. Um, it, it reminds me of language that's used for marriage, right? Where the two become one. The Spirit indwells believers. And from that vantage point, He desires to manifest Himself through each one. And we'll often call this manifestation spiritual gifts, right? Um, that's a fine expression, even a scriptural way to describe it, but the language here implies something even more intimate. The Spirit does not give us a gift disconnected from Himself. What we call a spiritual gift is the way the Spirit shows Himself through us, the way He manifests himself in each one of us. He has a unique way that he wants to manifest himself in each one of us. Listen to, again to that language in the passage we just read. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
To one is given this kind of manifestation. To another, this kind, and another, this kind, and another, this kind, and another. And there are all these different manifestations. And, and we could grab from other places in the Scriptures, and we could add to that list things like um, manifestations of the Spirit, like hospitality, and faith, and evangelism, and service, and administration. And likely, the list of gifts in the New Testament of the Spirit is probably not exhaustive. So that when Daniel Creswell leads us in worship, he's exercising, I believe, a spiritual gift. Even though music is not listed in the lists. The Spirit, uh, the Spirit works even beyond the gifts. You know, when Sarah draws that amazing artwork above the coffee bar, that's a spiritual gift being used for the good of the church. There is there's an eachness about the Spirit's giving as you read these passages. The Spirit generously gives these manifest gifts to each believer, to each one, just as He wills. Okay. That, he wills that He wills it at all, let alone to each one, to each believer. The Spirit wants to manifest Himself through each of you, each one. The Spirit wants to manifest Himself uniquely through you. This is extremely generous on His part. Um, he is an extravagant gift giver. And yet, these gifts, the way the Spirit shows Himself through us, it's not just for us. If you go back to verse 7, it says, To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay. We are gifted by the Spirit. He shows Himself through us for the good of us all. It's for the good of others. Our gifts are for the good of the church. And these gifts, then they are to be given away. They are for others Two, not just for us. We're to, be, we're to be like the guy, his name is George White. Ann Keegan wrote an article called Blue Christmas. It's a, collect, a collection of Christmas stories that are told by Chicago police officers. And one of the stories is about a guy named George White. And George lived in a rented room at the Y. And he had one set of clothes, shoes wrapped with rubber bands to keep the soles from flopping, and a threadbare black overcoat. And this is in Chicago, by the way. He spent his mornings napping in an old metal chair by the heater in the back of the 18th police district office. Two officers, Katowski and Mitch, took an interest in the old man and occasionally slipping him a few bucks. And they found out that Billy the Greek over at the G&W Grill gave him a hot breakfast every morning free of charge. So the two policemen and their families decided to have George as their guest for Christmas dinner. And they, when he came for dinner, they gave him gifts. They gave him presents, which he unwrapped carefully. And as they drove him back to the wide, George asked him, he said, Are these gifts really mine to keep? And they assured him, Yeah, George, they're yours, buddy. We gave them to you. He said, then we must stop at the G&W Grill before I go home. And with that, George began re-wrapping his presents. And when they walked into the restaurant, Billy the Greek was there as always. 
And George said, you've been good to me, Billy. Now I can be good to you. Merry Christmas. And George gave every one of his gifts away on the spot. See, see, like George, we move past the wonder that these gifts are really ours to keep, and we are to give them away on the spot. The Spirit intends for us to give our gifts away. As He is generous to us, there is to be generosity, generosity kindled in us towards one another. Now, that's why Uh, For instance, Daniel Creswell does not only sing in the shower. You sing in the shower, DC? I'll tell you. Okay. He sings for us, okay? His gift, it's for us, okay? Not just for him. The generous gifts of the Spirit are to be used to strengthen and encourage others for the common good, it says. The Spirit's generous gifts to each of us are to fill us with the same generosity. Now, Paul writes about these gifts, these manifest gifts, in in another passage in Romans Romans 12. And in verse 6, it says this. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And there is here the language of grace. Did you pick up in it? The grace given to us. And, And that is language of the Spirit. In fact, we get our word charismatic from that word, spirit-filled folk. And the spirit yields here all kinds of beautiful, strengthening manifestations towards the church, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, leadership, mercy. And I skipped one. Did you notice which one I skipped as I rattled through that list? It's, it's called the one who contributes. That's a really stuffy translation. It's a really, uh, yeah, awkward translation. It just means the one who gives. The one who gives. The Spirit wants him to give with generosity. One of the marks of the work of the Spirit, one of his gifts, one of the ways that the Spirit loves to manifest himself to and through each one of us for the common good is through our generosity. That's a mark of the Spirit. It's a manifestation. It's a gift. And Paul, Paul elsewhere implies that it's even more than that. In, um, in Galatians, a passage that you're probably familiar with, you've heard it before, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And this is the way that we mark and measure spiritual maturity, spiritual growth in Christ-likeness. It's whether you show this kind of fruit, Right? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, or excuse me, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, let me, let me read those to you again 
from a different translation, the New Revised Standard Version. It's a sister translation to the one that we use all the time, the ESV. Here it is. Listen to how they translate it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity. Generosity. See, goodness in this translation is rendered generosity. It is it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Embedded in the idea of goodness is this idea of being generous. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. And it's supposed to mark us. Okay? And you get glimpses of this. Um, we've been studying the book of Acts. We're on a little hiatus until the new year from the book of Acts. But already in the early parts of the book of Acts... We've seen this kind of spirit-fueled generosity. Acts chapter 2, you remember right when the church starts, you get this description. Um, All who believed were together, had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, as any had need. So right away, right out of the box, when the church starts, 3,000 people come to know Jesus in a day, and the church is just exploding, Um, we read that one of the primary traits of this new church was their generosity towards one another. But what I want you to see is what what had happened just a couple verses before this generosity breaks out. Peter, in Acts 2, verse 38, says to the crowd before before they come to Christ, he says, repent And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, the promise of the Spirit is for you and your children and all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So what's driving the generosity is the coming of the Spirit. That's the context in which the generosity breaks out. Okay, you flip your Bible one more page to Acts chapter 4. We find another example of this crazy generosity in the early church. It says, The full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, there's that language, great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Okay, another description of radical generosity in the early church. One verse before, what do you think is mentioned? Go back to verse 31. It says, when they had prayed, the place in in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the setting for radical generosity in the church is the generous presence of the Spirit who graciously lives among and even within His people, manifesting Himself in gifts for the common good, forming His people to bear His fruit, which includes generosity. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. So, The Father displays His generosity towards us in sending His Son. The Son displays His generosity towards us 
in laying down his life. And the Spirit displays his generosity towards us in giving gifts, even giving himself such that each believer in Jesus, each one, is gifted for the common good. All of this is done in each case with the expectation that we will in turn be generous to one another. Um, That's what the Father and the Son and the Spirit, the whole Trinity, intended for us from the beginning, that we would be marked with a God-like generosity towards each other. Um, In his book, uh, Run with Horses, with the horses, Eugene Peterson uh, tells how he saw a family of birds teaching their young to fly, okay? Maybe a group like this, right? They were swallows, three young swallows. They were perched on a dead branch that stretched out over a lake. And he says, one adult swallow got alongside the chicks and started shoving them out towards the end of the branch. Pushing, 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 he says. The end one fell off. And somewhere between the branch and the water four feet below, the wings started working and the fledgling was off on his own. And then the second one, like fashion. But he says the third was not to be bullied. At the last possible moment, his grip on the branch loosened just enough so that he swung downward, upside down. And then tightened again, bulldog tenacious, hanging upside down on the branch. The parent was without sentiment. He pecked at the desperately clinging talons until it was more painful for the poor chick to hang on than risk the insecurities of flying. He says the grip was released and the inexperienced wings began pumping and the mature swallow knew that the chi- what the chick did not, that it would fly. But there was no danger in making it do what it was perfectly designed to do. Peterson says that birds have feet and can walk. Birds have talons and can grasp a branch securely. They can walk. They can cling. But flying is their characteristic action. And not until they fly are they living at their best, gracefully and beautifully. Then he turns to us and he says, you know, giving, giving is what we do best. It is the air into which we were born. It's the action that was designed into us before our birth. He says, some of us try desperately to hold on to ourselves, to live for ourselves. We look so bedraggled and pathetic doing it, hanging on to the dead branch of a bank account for dear life, afraid to risk ourselves on the untried wings of giving. We don't think we can live generously because we've never tried, he says. But the sooner we start, the better. For we are going to have to give up our lives finally. And the longer we wait, the less time we have for the soaring and swooping life of grace. See, the Father displays His generosity towards us in the sending of His Son. And the Son displays His generosity towards us in the laying down of His life. And the Spirit displays His generosity toward us in giving gifts, even Himself, such that each believer in Jesus is gifted for the common good. And all of this is that we might be generous to one another. Now, if you were here last week, I, um, 
I ragged on you a little bit, okay? Because remember, we had a guest come for two straight weeks, didn't get welcomed, and I, I ragged on you a little bit. Some of you who are thick-skinned, you didn't even know I ragged on you, okay? It was just a little bit. Uh, but there are others amongst you who, who that made, you got defensive, and you started, you started sticking up for your church. And, um, and I even, even got, I got one in writing, and this is what I got this week. It's beautiful. <clears throat> Testimony from an, a, a new mom. She says, I just finished listening to the sermon from this week. My baby and I were sick on Sunday, and I wanted to let you know of a way that my husband and I have seen the church's love for each other on amazing display this week. So this happened last week. She says, this week is a bit chaotic for us between packing up our apartment and writing papers, and last night was no exception. We were taking turns watching our baby girl and eating dinner when we heard a knock at the door. Is our small group leader. With a check in his hand for $288, a collection that our small group had taken up for us as they knew of some immediate needs that we had that we did not have the money for. She says, we have, been so, we have been loved so well by these people, from coming to the hospital to be with us when I had a miscarriage last year, to bringing us meals when our daughter was born this year, and now to this. This is truly the love of Christ on display. And these are people loving, not in word or talk, but in deed and truth. I'm thankful to be part of such a church that loves each other so well. Okay, okay. Uncle, I give up. Okay. I, um, we do not love perfectly, but I am proud of the way that you love each other. I could tell story after story after story like this. We had a guy, we had a need in the church. We had a guy in the, came in the office this week to write a check to help somebody in need. It happens all the time. Now, next Sunday, we have our Thanksgiving service, large sharing time, giving of thanks. You'll probably hear some of these stories. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Today, when we turn in our Journey of Faith capital campaign commitments, we're we are writing another story of glad, generous, loving, sacrificial commitment towards our church family in an area of our need. Okay? About a dozen years ago, we were all crammed over into that old worship space in Building 2. If you've never been in there, um, you should just stroll through there some, sometime. We were in there three services, back to back to back on Sunday morning, and we realized two things. We realized... There was no more room for our friends, the friends we loved and that we hoped and prayed would come to know Jesus and would be able to taste the church like we were. There's no room left. The second thing we realized was that the room we were meeting in was a bit of a dive and they probably wouldn't want to come. Um, I mean, we liked it. We liked duct tape, right? They call our, our, our pseudonym is Duct Tape Baptist, right? That's what they call our church, Duct Tape Baptist Church. Um, so that band of believers that were here <clears throat> a dozen years ago decided to make a sacrifice, a great sacrifice, and build space for their friends to come. That's why, that's why you all are in this room this morning, because they had a vision for you coming here. And uh, they have now for a dozen years given sacrificially above and beyond their regular giving. Their, their commitment was not to impair the regular ministries of the church by building a building. So the gifts, all the gifts that have come to pay for this church have been above and beyond gifts uh, for this building, rather. Um, and so um, 
Every year we determine an amount, each member of North Wake determines an amount that they'll give sacrificially above and beyond our regular gifts to the church to help our church get debt free. And we are really, really close. We've paid off 75% of our debt, okay? We just have 25%, less than 25% left. And when we are debt free and our hearts are trained to this greater level of generosity, we're all starting to really dream about what we can do as a church family. Um, so every year as a foretaste of that, we take 10% of our journey of faith gifts and we invest them in a ministry that we otherwise wouldn't be able to do. And over the years, we've done things like give significant gifts to First Choice, um, our local crisis pregnancy uh, center. Uh, we've bumped our Lottie Moon offering, which pays for our missionary salaries significantly in years past. We've given to an orphanage in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. We've helped fund that. We helped fund ch two church plants, not our own, but two church plants <clears throat> that were reaching out to an African-American community in the center of Raleigh. We contributed to a ministry to drug addicts in Kazakhstan. We gave disaster relief in Pakistan. We blessed our newest two church plants last year out of this journey of faith tithe. And um, you know, we just are dreaming about what, how much more can we do when, when, when we're debt-free. And uh, this year, we're going to take that 10%, and we're giving it to something that we really need to do, but we otherwise would not be able to do. And some of you are going to think, really? <laughs> really? That's what we're doing? And others of you will be tempted to stand up and cheer. Do not. Okay? Um, we are going to build... Handicap accessible bathrooms in building two. Okay? Right now, they are handicap inaccessible. And, how do I put this? They're less than stellar, if you've ever had to use them. It's nice when our guests use the bathroom and they're not wondering if they're going to fall through the floor, which is precisely the status of those bathrooms. So, we will be doing that um, next year. Um, because of the budget deficits lately in the general fund, that would have had to been postponed yet again um, if it weren't for this infusion of, of funds that come from the Journey of Faith tie. Um, when our debt is paid off, we will be better able to take care of our facilities. You know, I am, I am embarrassed and sorry by some of the stuff that you have to endure here, some of our guests especially. We know and those are projects that are important to us, but they're lower priority than church planning and missions and helping out people in our community. So they just keep getting bumped. Um, but when our hearts are trained to be generous and we're debt-free, okay, okay, I'll be honest with you, it's not going to be the Crystal Cathedral, okay? But there will be less duct tape when, when that we're in that situation, um, so this year we'll do that. There's one other very exciting thing that we'll be seeding with money from our JOF tithe uh, next year. And our elders are, are very supportive and very excited about this.
but the textile and furniture industries provide tens of thousands of jobs and a healthy economy. In fact, Martinsville was once known as the sweatshirt capital of the world. But that all changed in the mid-90s when those industries contracted, leaving the community in hard times. With high crime rates, high unemployment rates, high teen pregnancy rates, and an aging population, hope is genuinely hard to come by. And although the people of Martinsville and Henry County are very resilient, only in the gospel can be found true hope, true purpose, and true fulfillment. It's estimated that of the 65,000 residents of the area, 70% are not meaningfully connected to a local church. So we intend to come and be the church here in Martinsville to live out our faith amongst people who matter. This is the mission of God. You may be asking, how can you partner with us? First, we ask you to pray. Pray for us as we come, as we transition here. And pray for those who are without Christ. Second, we ask you to pray about committing to support the mission financially. Third, God may be calling some of you to come with us to be the church here in Martinsville. So, next year we get to plant a new church in Martinsville, Virginia. Who knew, right? Exciting, exciting stuff. And we're going to give just a little bit of seed money towards that new church plant next year. When we're debt-free, we'll give 10 times that much. I'm not exaggerating. We'll give them 10 times that much money uh, when a church plant goes out from here. So, um, already this year, a little band of our leaders, a handful, less than 10% of our church have already given their pledges. They've given over 25% in pledges of what we gave last year, this year that we're in right now. Um, last year, a third of us did not participate. Um, if we all join into this thing, what kind of a chunk can we take out of our debt to posture us to do this kind of work freely? Um, now, I know some of you simply cannot give You've lost your job or you've had a health crisis and you, you simply cannot give. Um, what we would ask of you when you fill out your commitment card is simply write, on, write your information on it, write, count me in. What that means is that you are going to pray for the needs of our church. You're going to pray and ask God to bless you so that you can be a blessing to our church in this area. And when he does bless you, you'll be faithful to give. Not until then, but when that happens, you'll be faithful. So you just write, count me in on there. The Father generously gives His Son. The Son generously lays down His life. And the Spirit generously gives gifts to each one of us with the intent that we too would be generous to the church that Jesus loves. So what I'd like you to do, we're going to take our uh, offering for those commitments at the close of our service now. Um, if you'll take just a few minutes, I'm going to ask the worship team come on up. And if you'll take just a few minutes and review prayerfully your commitment, if you've already filled your card out, if you haven't, you'll have time right now 
to fill that out. You should have gotten one when you came into the room. And if you didn't, if you'll raise your hand, our ushers will come bring you one. But um, I want you to take a few minutes, just prayerfully review that. If you're a leader and you've already turned it in, we'd love for you to participate in this act of worship and just mark duplicate on your card. And then when you've filled them out, just bring them down here to the communion table and we'll lay them on here as an act of worship to the Lord and pray His mercy on these gifts that we're about to make. So if you'll stand with us, um, let's worship our King in song and with these commitments that we're about to bring.